This is First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. I'm Jordan Bell, and I'm the one that people come to and ask, hey, what can I do for work? And I usually ask, well, what's your major? And they say, illustration. I say, oh, you can do so much. And I'll say, what would you like to do? And they say things like album art, movie posters, editorial illustration. And I say, you can do all of that. And if you don't believe me, take it from an alum. Uh, My name is Roseanne Percival, and I am a designer and owner of 2D, 3D Design Incorporated in New York City. Roseanne remarkably has done all of those things. Her career in illustration has even broken into the third dimension from album covers and movie posters to sculpture and 3D. She's covered a lot of territory, and she will tell you just how she did that. I sat in my old bedroom, and I set up a desk, and I set up my portfolio and my phone, and I started calling people. I just said, I want to work for Random House. I want to work for the New York Times. I want to work. So I had a list of all the people that I wanted to work for. And work turned into work turned into work. If you connect with someone and they like you and you and you do good work and you do a good job for them and you're responsible and you're reliable, then they're going to use you over and over and over again. And the good news is you already know your boss. So that's another problem. You know, when you are an illustrator, you are your own boss. You are doing your own paperwork. You're your own accountant. You are the one who has to go to the store to get your materials, your supplies. So it's really like running a small business, and it is running a small business. It's just your own small business. Hey, everybody, and thanks for joining us, and welcome back to a new academic year of First You Hustle. The semester is underway, and we're back with career advice for you on the go. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. Our podcast has won an award. And we have a new sound effects machine. But yes, an award. On whom's authority? Uh, That thing's never going to get old. On the authority of the Columbus Podcast Awards, we won our category Best Entrepreneur Podcast. So thank you to all those that voted and have supported. We are honored. As we enter year three of the podcast, we're looking forward to sharing more advice and insight to help you get your career started. We also don't want to cover the same old tracks. Just so you know, this is an anthology series. So go back, look at our past episodes for topics that might be pertinent to you and your situation. A lot of our episodes are skill-focused and have step-by-step advice for doing things like putting together an application, interviewing, pitching to a client, writing resumes or cover letters. Some of our episodes are advice-focused with tips and insight on how to be the best professional you, like taking time for yourself, unplugging, checking in on your mental health, and being an active networker and community member. And one area that we really haven't jumped into is this whole wild idea of being an illustrator. Of all the majors that I advise, Illustration is probably one of the most broad, ambiguous fields because, honestly, it's kind of not a field. It's more of an application within many fields. And as we'll learn from our guest, Roseanne Percival, your interests will intersect many different mediums, companies, and industries along your journey. There are a few threads that connect the many different things that Roseanne has done, networking, dedication, great self-management, in addition to sharp skill and talent, which means you, too, can find yourself in any corner of the illustration world And it isn't a square. There are many, many corners, as we'll find out in our interview with Roseanne. I received my bachelor's uh, from Columbus College of Art in illustration and advertising design. And then what I did was, while I was there, I, I decided to do some work. I was working basically all the way through high school and always loved to work, do things that were art related. So I, I had gotten some work from Ohio Magazine. And then after graduating, 
I received a job from the Limited, and I worked in Columbus because I figured I needed some experience before I came back to New York City. Like, oh, New York City. And even though I'm from New York City, it was still overwhelming to come back to New York City and not have had any experience. So so I did have a few illustration jobs from Ohio Magazine and, and then worked for about about three or four months. I think it was from May when I graduated or that summer until about December when I finally went back to New York in December. So the the Ohio Magazine, was that like editorial illustration? That was editorial illustration. And I was happy with that because I got to you know, actually illustrate some real stories, which was excellent. And then for the limited, what I was doing was I was doing more technical things like hang tags for clothing and uh, advertising design, which I wasn't so interested in. I really loved doing the illustration work. Um, That was what my passion was. So I decided it's time to go back to New York. When you were here in college um, and you were thinking about what your job would be, did you vision it being like Ohio Magazine? Did you vision it being like limited or did you vision it being something completely different? Well, I knew that being an illustrator wasn't really a desk job. It wasn't kind of like you go to one particular place and then, you know, do a job, just become an illustrator. You would have to obviously be a freelancer and able to, in, in order to uh, be able to work for several different companies, corporations, um, and magazines, um, you know, do things like annual reports, logos. So I knew that... I wasn't sure. I wasn't really sure back in the day, you know, and this was 1980. So this was, this was before they really taught us about careers and career paths and what you can do, what you can't do. It was kind of like, yeah, well, there's Brad Holland. He's got an illustration in the Society of Illustrators and you'd go to the shows and we got into the shows and um, I got some awards at the Society of Illustrators and, and it was always great to follow other illustrators, but it was always like, they were on magazines, they were on the cover of Time, or they were in the New York Times, or they were in the LA Times. And, you know, you'd see all this great illustration out there. And, and so I kind of had a sense that I wasn't going to be tied into a place like and get and working for the limited was actually a good thing to do, because I realized that that was very limited, (laughs) no pun intended. Um, So when I went back to New York, I literally hit the grounds running with my portfolio and those days you actually could see people you could make an appointment and get in and um, talk to a person yeah I'm glad you mentioned that because the definitely the 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 way we practice networking has changed so much you mentioned you know actually knocking on doors and scheduling appointments with people and feels this day and age that's it's sometimes awkward to propose but you can connect with people digitally you can connect with people uh, through networking events so that idea of you need to connect to people has never changed it's just the way you connect to people is what's changing and so what was the the position that brought you from Columbus to New York well I just I came back to New York and I started to freelance so I what I did was I I went back to live with my parents for a little bit and I sat in my old bedroom and I set up a desk and I set up my port my portfolio and my phone and I started calling people I just said I want to work for Random House I want to work for uh, the New York Times I want to work so I had a list of all the people that I wanted to work for and I think this is sort of important because I think you know in your career path you have to carve the way Um, you have to decide what you want to do rather than it being dictated to you. So I think I've always sort of done that, like, okay, well, what would I like to do next? 
and then, or where would I like to be? Um, and then you sort of, you, you knock at those doors and you see if they open and you have to knock at a lot of doors before one opens, but one eventually does open. And the first job I did get was a job, a double page spread for people magazine. And I thought, Oh my God, I've arrived. This is great. I'm going to be so well known. <laughs> and then I realized that um, a week later, the, uh, the, the article came out and it was in the trash. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So nobody saw it. And you know, you, you get a couple of copies and you put it in your portfolio. Um, so that was kind of the life of an illustrator. You know, you sort of keep hustling, keep hustling and you get one job. And then uh, my second job, I think I got a movie poster. It was a, uh, it was called Nightmare was the name of the movie. It was a Tom Savini movie. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a great, you know, this, I mean, it came out in all the newspapers and it was everywhere, but what I started to realize was like, okay, well, it's just another job. So you're just another illustrator. There's thousands of you that are doing the same thing. And, you know, so I just then was kind of moving around town and trying to get jobs. And one day I was a little discouraged and I happened to be wearing a white shirt and black pants. And I walked past a restaurant and there was a help wanted sign. So I went in <laughs> and then I went down the route of, uh, I need a waitress to make some money, to bring some money. And while I'm doing this thing called freelancing. So I, uh, I got a waitress job and I moved into New York city. And back in those days, you could actually get an apartment for a few hundred dollars. Um, you were doing illustration work and then you took a job waitressing. What, what was that like? Was that, what, what was your, your mindset there? Did you feel like you were abandoning your creative work? Or did you know this was a short term stop on, on your, in your creative journey? How did you feel about kind of stepping out for a second to do a job like that? So I found, I found that I, uh, illustrating was a very isolated occupation that you would basically get the job you would go home and you'd try to come up with an idea for the job. Okay, you have a manuscript or you have a story that you have to illustrate or you have a poster or a CD cover or whatever it is. And that takes a lot of problem solving. It takes a lot of thinking. Uh, it takes a lot of um, creative juices to, to get flowing. And sometimes it's hard to do that when you're kind of just sitting in your, in your space by yourself. Uh, so I took the job as a waitress for one to make money, to keep money flowing in, but it was also a way to be social. It was a way to get out there and talk to people and then feel like, oh, I would go to work and do that. And sometimes I would just do uh, dinners or, you know, evening work for a few hours. And then I felt like I had that social activity that I could come home and then be creative. So I don't think that isolating yourself all the time is a good thing and I always felt that uh, I didn't like that so after the first couple of years of doing illustration I always had an office and I would go to my office so I had a studio I still do to this day always have a studio where I can make things where I can do my work where I can paint um and I just feel like it's very important to get up and to get out of your space um, and have a place to go. While I was waitressing, uh, I was in Midtown and I met some fellows that came in at lunchtime and we'd talk and I'd always have my business cards with me and yeah, I'm an illustrator, so on and so forth. And then that got me an interview at an ad agency. 
and I got an art director position in an ad agency. Um, and I figured, okay, let me get my foot in the door here. So I did that for a couple of years and started to see like what the back end of advertising was like, which was making uh, TV commercials. Um, I worked a little bit for Dentsu Advertising, uh, which, is, which had the Canon account. Um, and then I worked for another ad agency called William Esty. And they had like cigarette accounts, which I wasn't too happy about, and some other accounts. But um, but I learned how to do storyboarding, and I was a very good sketcher. So I started doing that, and then I realized that they were farming out um, these storyboards, and the storyboard artists were making $35 a frame. And I started to count that up, and and said, well, $35 a frame, if they do 10 frames, that's $350, you know, overnight. And usually there's more than 10 frames in a storyboard. So um, I felt a little bit stuck in the agency, like I was doing all that work, but I wasn't getting paid fairly. So I decided to then leave the agency. And then I started to get work from them as a freelance storyboard artist. And so when I say one door opens, um, I, I think that, you know, a good thing to do is to just sort of always be open and always say yes if somebody asks you to do something. And I think that's a good um, starting point. Like if you are, if you're willing, if you can sketch and you're willing to do, you know, no matter what it is, a, a portrait or a painting of someone or, um, or a storyboard or, uh, you know, any kind of thing. So, you know, then I started to take, those sketches and show those around and then I got in to see a guy at um, Atlantic Records and he loved my sketches so he would have me do um, sketches for his um, album covers and that was a that was a real uh, big step for me to get in with Atlantic Records I started doing um, album covers so then I had editorial under my belt. I had a movie poster, and now I was doing album covers. Yeah, it seems like you're you're going for like the the grand slam of all the illustration jobs <laughs> at this point. So things like movie posters and album covers, I think, is a really kind of uh, like romantic, very visual um, item that a lot of students are really interested in doing. And it sounds like the trick to that is really the network, the the getting your work in front of the right people. Um, did you find that's how those opportunities came about or was there a specific skill set that you possessed that made you write for that type of work? Well, it's definitely getting in front of the right people. It's always getting to the right people. And I think what I also have learned through the years is that people work with people that they like. And of course you have to be talented and you have to be, um, passionate and you have to be energetic, um, and strategic, but I think that if you connect with someone and they like you and you, and you do good work and you do a good job for them and you're responsible and you're reliable and you get the job done, then they're going to use you over and over and over again. And I have, you know, a really good track record in terms of doing multiple jobs for the same company. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Atlantic Records, he used me to do, you know, not just one little sketch, but then it went into, okay, I can, I need you, I need an album cover. Can you do this album cover for this drummer? I said, yeah, great. Um, and then it led to bigger jobs. So uh, I think that, yes, meeting the right person is definitely um, uh, advantageous, if not necessary. 
um, and how do you open those doors? You know, these days it's social media, even going to parties, even going to events, even going to trade shows, all of those things. Just you can get out there, meet people, give them your business card, you know, always have a business card. You know, I know these days maybe people don't want to print business cards, but people still do use business cards, even if they scan them into their phones or take a photo of it. Um, it's a way for you to make a direct connection with someone. You know, what was the consistency like? Were there uh, long periods of time where you weren't doing any work or was it always very consistent? Were there um, busy times where you were maybe juggling too much? What was it? What was the freelance load like? Well, in the beginning, like after I got that first article for People Magazine, um, I thought, oh, okay, great. You know, I'm going to, I think I got paid a thousand dollars to do that, which, which was a lot of money at that point. Uh, so I got a thousand dollars and I thought, oh, great. I mean, a thousand dollars is awesome. Um, however, I didn't get the check for over a month. So that's another problem. You know, when you are an illustrator, you are your own boss. You are doing your own paperwork. You're your own accountant. You are the one who has to go to the store to get your materials, your supplies. So it's really like running a small business, and it is running a small business. It's just your own small business. Um, And then you can expand on that, uh, which I did through the years. Um, But you have to do everything. So your time is sort of limited. Um, so what I did was, yes, I d- took those little jobs, but then as I started to get more and more work and the workload got a little bit better. So as you, you know, as you do more work, you can get more work. And, and, and that's another cycle. It's like you're doing the job, but then you still have to be looking for the next job because you know that this job's going to end and next week you're not going to have a job. So uh, it's constant. It's kind of a constant thing. And perhaps for some people, taking a full-time job may be easier. It may be easier or necessary to have that constant paycheck to always have, you know, something coming in every week. And that's fine. You know, I just don't think as an illustrator, uh, you're going to find that type of situation. And what's interesting is you mentioned working for the ad agency and then freelancing for them. So it sounds like at one point you had that consistent paycheck and then decided uh to go out on your own and then they were a client so you were essentially doing a lot of the same work i assume uh but now on different terms so what was the motivation to switch into freelancing uh the motivation there was that i would make enough money to do the storyboards that i could then supplement the illustration jobs which weren't coming in as frequently which were the jobs that I really wanted, but I could supplement that by doing the uh, storyboards, which didn't wasn't a full-time 40-hour-a-week job. Because when you get into a full-time 40-hour-a-week job, you come home and it's nighttime and you don't want to sit down and do an illustration. Uh, or you might not have time. I mean, sometimes people need to turn around overnight. If it's the New York Times, they'll call you up and say, I need this article on Sunday. You need to do it. You need a sketch tomorrow and uh, final two, in two days. So if you're working a full-time job, you're stressed out. You can't do all that. So it's a lot of juggling. And I think you, I talked about strategy. I mean, you have to have a strategy. You have to be able to save money. You have to, um, you know, have that little reserve so that what if, you know, what if you don't get another job for a month, you know, summers tend to be slow. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. The economy may go south, um, you know, there are prosperous times and there are times where you're struggling. So I think it's always a good idea to, you know, just have a good business sense too. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, there's pros and cons in both situations and 
freelancing can seem the downside is that that idea of like what happens if things get slow but it looks like the plus side for your situation was that you got autonomy over the work that you chose to do and therefore could do the work that you wanted to do correct and then the other thing that happened was i don't remember exactly how this happened but i started to teach at the school of visual arts and i ironically uh someone had seen my illustrations uh, maybe my storyboards and they asked me if I wanted to teach storyboard art at the School of Visual Arts. So, of course, I said yes. And then that became a whole different path. Like, okay, well, I've never taught before. And the School of Visual Arts is set up that, um, the way it's set up is that instructors are working professionals. Um, so the students actually have a really good sense of, okay, this person is a working professional, so I'm learning from them. They're actually doing this. Um, so it, that was a really good uh, path for me, too. And I decided that I did teach there, and I did teach in another school uh, called the New York Institute of Technology, um, and I was teaching graphics there. Um, but what I did learn about teaching was that it's totally different than actually doing the job. Now you're teaching other people, which I love to do, but the attention span of if you have 30 kids in a class, you might have five who are really interested in being there and the other 25 are not so interested in being there. They're just sort of taking the class because they have to. So I felt like I was putting out a lot of energy and not getting back what I felt like I needed to get back from the students. So I learned that teaching maybe wasn't my thing. Currently, you're, you're still doing modeling. Why don't you talk a little bit about your, your current business? So what I'm doing now is, um, so I did that sculpture and fabrication studio for about, I don't know, like I said, 95 to 2005, so about 10 years. And what we started to do, where we started to do a lot of theme restaurants, um, and we were asked to do a bar, literally a bar top, um, for Planet Hollywood. And we had no idea how to make a bar, so we decided we were going to make this bar we hired some guys who knew how to make a bar and we started to play with resins um, because they wanted translucence and um, 10 years of working with resins and sort of more toxic materials I got a little bit burnt out on that um, however one of our clients was Whole Foods and that was when Whole Foods Market started to come into New York City and they started to get bigger and bigger and so um, when I left that partnership, I started my own business, which is 2D, 3D Design Inc., and I took the Whole Foods client with me, and then I sort of segued into food, um, supermarkets, grocery markets, food halls, uh, coffee shops, um, and I decided that, you know, that was something that interested me. I love to cook. I love, you know, good food, and I felt like that was going to be more healthy for me going forward than being around toxic materials and wearing respirators and sanding things and doing all that. So what does it mean to, to do food? Um, okay. So I am a designer still, and I am a designer for interior decor. So say for example, for whole foods, what I did was, um, a lot of also sculpture and fabrication, but for interior for interior grocery markets. So when you go into a grocery market and you 
um, look up at the soffits. You know, they're usually decorated with something or something's hanging from the ceiling and things like that. So it was more interior decor, lettering, um, store design, basically, store design and decor. Oh, okay. And, and even though you're not doing anything with Whole Foods anymore, you're still concentrating on food? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Right now I am working on a very big project in New York, which is called um, the American Dream Mall. And inside that mall, I have a client um, I started with in 2007 and we were uh, creating a food hall there. So that whole project went bankrupt and it's now been revitalized since four years ago. And the same owners that own the, the Mall of America put a lot of money into this project and it's going to open in October of this year. So I've been working with this client and it's called Grissini Foods. Um, so they're one of my clients that I've been with. I also have other clients that I still work with. I still work with uh, another food market called the food seller. Um, I've been doing kitchen and bath design. I've done design build over the last few years. So I still have my, my hands in other things because another important message is never put all your eggs in one basket <laughs> um, because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, that project I was working on and I had, uh, when I opened 2D, 3D Design also, I had uh, two or three employees and I had a shop in, in Brooklyn. And so I still had employees. I still had overhead. I still had all that. We were still fabricating things for Whole Foods. Um, but then I decided about 10 years ago, I said, you know what, maybe I can just do the design end of this and stop making things because I've made so many objects in my life. Um, and I think it's time to stop doing that. So I didn't exactly stop doing that completely. And I still love to paint and make objects, but um, I'm more interested in the design aspect of it and the space planning and um and so now i'm actually a partner in this business and um still have my other clients on the side and it's working out very well yeah i mean to where we ended and where we started from seems you know like two very different people doing two very different careers but as you explain your moves it makes sense how you went from one thing to another what would you say is your I guess, I, I, I don't know, motivation. How do you know, you know, there's that balance of like, well, you're really interested in something, but were there times where you had an interest in something and there was just no market for it? Because I, I feel like you, your career has been well balanced with you're interested in doing something and there's a market for it. So you can actually do it and make money. Were there things that you really were like, oh, ideally I would love to work on this, but there's just no market for it. There's no way I can make a living from that. Um, the only thing I would have to say that would be a challenge for me personally would be uh, being a fine art painter. And I think that is a very difficult path. Um, so I could never personally, I never saw that I could go do, go that route and go to galleries and just make paintings and try to, you know, do a series and, you know, wait for a year to have a gallery show. And then, you know, the gallery is going to take 50 to 60% of the money that I'm going to make. And, um, through that, through that one job, um, at Ada, we actually ended up doing a lot of fabrication for artists because artists actually have a lot of good ideas, some of them, and they don't know how to fabricate anything. So, you know, for example, uh, I'll just give you one example, say like 
Jeff Koons wants to make a giant uh, puppy dog and he doesn't have time to fabricate it in his studio. So he would hire a studio outside to fabricate another puppy dog. Um, so we actually did art fabrication and I just always thought that was a very difficult road to go down. Um, so that was one thing that I decided not to do. I always decided to keep my hand in something that I could make money at. Uh, even if someone, you know, if I got slow, I'd talk to friends and say, Hey, you need to do your kitchen design or do you need to do your bathroom? I can help you. Or, uh, you need a logo. And I just did whatever I could to sort of keep, keep my focus on being creative and try not to deviate too much from being creative and what I did. But I seem to have made money, um, going down that path. So I really haven't, and, and I haven't had to do too many other things that weren't, um, art related. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but, um, mm -hmm. maybe to close out, do you find yourself hiring, um, young artists or getting inquiries from young people? I know you don't teach anymore, but do you find yourself still, um, seeing those types of, of students or people that are just coming out in, into their career? Uh, what I do see is I do get I do get a lot of emails from people who are doing 3D renderings because they know I do interior spaces. Uh, so that's actually another good thing to know if you are an illustrator. Um, there's a there's a big market for 3D illustration because a lot of clients cannot visualize. So you know you should really know how to do that if you're an illustrator. You know design is design and basically. Um, one thing I just wanted to say to close is that it's all about problem solving and thinking and finding a solution, whether it's a solution to a story that you have to illustrate or whether it's trying to make an object that is going to serve a purpose or a function in someone's home or someone's business. It's all about solving a problem. And if you can, solve that problem for that other person who can't solve the problem. If you can show them something, um, then I think that you are more than halfway there. And, um, and there's what I've learned in my career is that there are a lot of people who just can't visualize. Yeah. We had M and a architects on uh, the podcast and they were talking from the architect and interior design side. They were saying, you really need to know how to illustrate. You need to know how to sketch. And for that same reason, so that you can work quickly with clients. And it's interesting to hear you say also kind of the opposite, like from the illustrator standpoint, know some of the technical aspects for that same, it's, it's all rooted in the same thing. You need to be able to solve problems. You need to be able to communicate with people. And I think we're definitely in an, in an age where, need to be multidisciplinary and, and your career has definitely demonstrated that it feels like you've, you've had your uh, fingers in a lot of different pots over the years. Thank you. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks again for uh, sitting down with me and um, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. That's our episode at the top of the show. I mentioned that we don't like to cover the same old tracks, but one thing we just can't avoid getting into each episode is this whole idea of networking, network, network, network. It's really the soul of the hustle. And as you can see in our interview with Roseanne, it definitely pays dividends. So make sure you are sharpening your network and also make sure that you are subscribing to our podcast. If you haven't already follow us on Apple, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, or like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash first you hustle. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. 
Our theme is Jimmy H. Boogaloo by the Juanitos, Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.